0: There's animals on the continent of Africa that are really challenging. You gotta worry about malaria, and then you gotta worry about like cannibals and shit. Six five Creedmore is fantastic. That's a hipster caliber. You have someone that's really into politics, or is always gaslighting everyone, or is just constantly pissed. Be like, hey man, I don't remember. What were you mad about Tuesday? They were like, man, shit, I don't remember, but I'll tell you what I'm mad about today. If you're a male and you're listening to this and you're over the age of 35, you are completely and totally insane if you don't go get blood panels done. I'll tell you what else I'm not doing. I've never eaten a pig's testicle either ever again. I just, I think it sucks when like people cast judgment or try to put their signature on how people do things or accomplish things. This is Baker Levitt, and you're listening to the Wild Initiative Podcast.
1: Put down your latte and pull on your boots. I've been blessed to harvest 22 of the 29 North
2: American animals
1: with my bow. My personal
2: 24-hour record for death threats is 88. They will start putting two and two together and realize this is how you call bulls in. So when I go hunting now,
1: that's the ethos I take with me. Mean, you know, whatever whatever this hunter's going to throw at you, pull your big girl pants up and you get on with it. Giant bucks are freaking awesome. They're beautiful. But you know what? I would not trade this first
2: puck. For anything in the world. So I'm really, I'm a geek. Magicians and dragons and magic swords. (laughs) I kid you not, man, I'm the biggest dork in the gun business. I'm Freddie Hartice, Hollywood Hunter. This is Aaron Snyder. Hey, this is Trevin Stoltz with Outback Outdoors.
1: This is Rihanna Carey.
2: Hi, this is John Sloan of the Interviews with the Haunting Masters.
1: You're listening to The Wild Initiative. Hey, y'all, welcome to another episode of The Wild Initiative, brought to you as part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective.
2: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: All right, y'all, so getting on to today's episode. Today, I have Baker Levitt. He is uh, does the marketing for Black Rifle Coffee. Uh, he is a Southern boy, big turkey hunter. Uh, we kind of sit down and have... A conversation, admittedly, that was a little bit all over the place. You know, this one, uh, y'all, we kind of just hopped on the line, uh, started chatting, and I I hit the record button. And, you know, we just it was just one of those kind of super organic conversations that popped up out of nowhere and thought it would make a a good podcast. So, hope you all enjoy this episode with Baker Levitt. I've got to get a Cape Buffalo before I die. I mean, like, that's just... We're recording now?
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, man. Like it's epic. And then, like, as I started to you know grow and mature and get more into hunting, I mean, I basically, I taught myself to hunt when I was like fifteen. No one in my family hunted, and I borrowed someone's rifle and walked out. So we have a my family's from Savannah, and then like seventy miles north, uh, we had we had a farm in Sylvania, Georgia. So my family's originally from Sylvania um but they all live in savannah and so we go up to our farm you know in the in the fall and winter and um you know we i was like well i'll just you know i read a bunch of magazines and so i was like all right i got this rifle and i walked out to the field it was the day before thanksgiving and i walked up to the edge of the field you know with this 30-06 with like a tasca scope on it non-variable and a 165 grain uh Winchester Silvertips was was the ammo. And um saw like eight doe walking out into the eight does walking out into the middle of the field. And I just put the crosshairs on one of them and just let it rip and it's like in a movie, you know, I thought you shot it and it just fell over dead. Or like you know in a movie they throw a knife at someone and it kills them immediately. So you know Wait, that's
1: that's not how it works? Hold on, whoa. You're blowing Dude. my world here.
0: <laughs> I, got a, I got an elk hunt we'll get we'll t- from in New Mexico. They year, have ate five rounds from a 300 wind mag. But, um, yeah, man. So, you know, but as I grew like, matured in hunting and stuff, like I started to want to, like, hunt out west, you know, because when I was a kid, it was, like, whitetails in Georgia, or, you know, dream hunt was going to Africa. Because that's just such a wild place, you know? Yeah.
1: yeah. So,
0: but anyway, if you ever – uh, come across a little extra money and you want to go to Africa or whenever you're ready to go to Africa, let me know. And I will help set that up for you. It is, it is a phenomenal, phenomenal experience, man. Like you can't beat it.
1: Yeah. It's definitely, you know, like I say, it it wasn't what sparked my interest in hunting. And I was kind of like, yeah, okay. Like, you know, it'd be cool. Like if somebody like handed it to me on a silver platter, heck yeah, I'd do it. But recently it's definitely been, and I think it's because I've been, hanging out and spending more time with more dudes that that's their passion. And you Mm -hmm. can't, you can't be around, you can't be around someone that's a group of people that are excited about something for all that long until you start getting excited about it too. Doesn't like, for the most part, it doesn't matter what it is. And so I, uh, I just recently, I was down, uh, down in, at the FTW ranch in Texas, um, with Tim Fallon and, uh, we were doing, um, he's got that new hunter training course that he's launching. And so uh, he brought a whole group of us out to just check it out for the like first course and give them some feedback. And, um, you know, all of those guys, they're big. That's, that's their thing. And even the ranch, you know, I mean, it's an exotics ranch and they run it like a, like you're on safari in Africa. And yeah. it's just talking with them and listening to the stories and just, you know, evenings at, Evenings at the bar, there hanging out like you can't help but get like stoked and start letting the gears turn and being like, "Well, you know, okay, maybe well, I'm more into this than I initially thought I was."
0: If you, if you really want to like, start reading some of Capstick stuff, like um, there's tons of books on Africans, far like Death in the Long Grass and reading the uh, read the um, the Ghost in the Darkness, which is about the Lions of Sabo. Um, oh.
1: I trust me. That's, I mean, ever since I saw the movie, that's, I I've read the book since and like all time. I, I love that. I love that story, man.
0: Fantastic. There's a lot of really good books. And then like, there's Hemingway spent a lot of time over there and um, no, it's great, man. It's, it's not, there's animals on the continent of Africa that are really challenging. And that's just basically like, you know, some of the stuff like in the, in the Congo like bongos and stuff were pretty challenging there. And, you know, Central African Republic car and stuff. And then there's stuff in the Congo, which is like, you know, you got to worry about malaria. And then you got to work about, worry about like cannibals and shit. And, you know, nobody wants to think about that. But, um, I mean, I've killed one animal with a, with a big bore rifle. I shot a giraffe with a four seventy nitro express shooting a 500 grain Hornady, just bazooka missile. (laughs) And, um, like, it was a massive giraffe, massive, massive giraffe. And um, the thing with giraffes, man, is like you really have to manage your giraffe population because they have a very specific food source. And if the carrying capacity of the, of the farm or ranch, whatever you want to call it, is 40 giraffes and you got 300 giraffes, you're going to have a serious problem. So um, I've stalked into 50, 60 yards and it took off running. And I, Shouldered it and hand to God, it dropped like a sack of flour. If you had said, give me 25 scenarios as to what's going to happen when you pull this trigger, that would not have been one of them. I've never seen anything like it, man. Those big bull rifles, dude. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And they do a lot of that at uh, FTW rinks, right?
1: Uh, So the... They've got a bunch of different courses you can do. The one I did, the one I was kind of there to check out was they were doing their very first. It's like your new hunter training program. Like it's it, it'll take somebody that's never even touched a rifle before oh. and take them all the way through harvesting and uh, skinning, processing their first animal and cooking a meal with it. Like they uh, literally, as I've never done this, as you can get all the way through like, I just shot this this morning and now I'm making ceviche from the heart. Like Oh, wow. It's yeah. It's a really cool program. And then they have their other, uh, they have their safari courses. And I think that's the big bore stuff typically. Uh, the they have, game stuff. yeah, yeah. The dangerous game course they've got like long, they've got their, like advanced shooter program. And then like the super advanced shooter program, they, they take, they've got a bunch of different courses that they they'll take you through at different levels. And it's, you know, for me, I mean, I used to teach rifle marksmanship on a basic level, and uh going in and it was a good it was a really good refresher for me even in that new hunter course and um some stuff that we never really got into because because we were in the base i was in the basic course but talking about things like spin drift and oh, yeah. uh more dope doping for wind and and a lot of that stuff that you don't get to in the in the basic courses and it was just a good really good refresher for me and and then we took some time. I mean, we are we are shooting six, five Creedmoor. So, you know, you know, little teeny guys.
0: That's a but, hipster caliber. Yeah. <laughs> it is, man. is. Don't,
1: don't tell Tim that don't tell Tim that
0: man. No, for long range distance shooting, specifically people, six, five Creedmoor is fantastic. You know, it's, um, from my buddies that are world-class marksmen. It's basically like a, souped up better version of a 308 you don't need it to shoot deer at 100 yards um there's an instagram meme account called utard hunters and he went on this thing about the six five creedmoor and how it's a hipster caliber and like say hey will you help me come zero my my six five i've got a moose hunt in alaska or something like that you know, it's like a like hundred yard shot tops um, it's a, that's a funny Instagram meme account. Um, but yeah, no, six, five, I actually, I killed a couple deer this year, with the six five in Georgia, um, at our farm up there. But I, um, I mean, I, I'm partial to a 30 out six. Like I don't in any way, shape or form consider myself to be a good shot with anything other than a shotgun. <laughs> um, like, I mean, I, I, listen, like, I don't, I don't like wound animals and like they wander off and stuff. Well, I, sometimes you know with it's a bow, but, um, I mean,
1: you, 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 yeah. anybody that says it hasn't happened to them is a liar. Like,
0: <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but I don't like. Uh, you know, I like to hunt with a bow, and I like to hunt with a a, a rifle. But when I rifle hunt, it's just because they're out of bow range. You know what I mean? And so I shoot whitetail high shoulder with a out six, and it's game over. Mm-hmm. I have, I mean, I've killed hundreds of whitetail deer with that that method. You know, in Georgia, you can kill two bucks, ten does a year. Like, and I've shot a lot of white-tailed deer with a on six in the shoulder. And I'm just kind of programmed that way, man. And sure as shit, man, that elk was a nice old bruiser of like a six by six, like just an old bull. And um, sure as shit, man, he stepped out, shot him in the shoulder. <laughs> he ran a hundred yards, had to shoot him again. It's like, man, what the hell? I ended up shooting him five times, like. Yeah. And like the, the fifth shot was like a coup de gras up close and personal in the neck, just to end it. Like he, mm-hmm. I mean, he was eating lead. Like like I've never seen an animal. It was crazy. But with a bow, I've always shot him and they just kind of trotted off and fell over and died, you know, it's pretty interesting.
1: It's I did. I wrote, I wrote an article. Uh, it was uh, right after I had built some arrow, I built some new arrows and I just built these like heavy ass, super I think they're like six hundred and five grain arrows uh, with just big old fat, heavy broadheads on them. Kinetic energy. And
0: I mean, it, yeah, I'm, I'm with. I support you. It was
1: the whole. It was the whole discussion of like speed and kinetic energy and why kinetic energy is important for the difference of why it's important for bullets versus arrows and this and that. And, uh, it's, I have a whole blog on it and it's just, it's talking about like, okay, so often with, with bullets, it's the shock that kills the animal effectively. The hydrostatic shock. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's the shock of the the speed of that bullet passing through. That's not the case with an arrow. An arrow just needs to create massive freaking amounts of trauma the The bullets kinetic energy is important. The arrow, you just need penetration. And so, cause, and I, I got into it. I got into it with some guy and that's why I wrote this whole article. Cause I started making a six page response to him on on Instagram and I'm like, yeah, no, I this is not going to be productive. I'm just going to write a blog. But my buddy,
0: Brian Broderick, who owns day six gear, they make arrows and they're super heavy arrows out right of Mobile, Alabama. He explained that to me, the whole, you know, FPS versus kinetic energy. Mm -hmm. And I will take, like I'll take a heavier arrow over a lighter arrow any day of the week. Oh yeah. Because when you really break it down like feet per second. So let's say you're shooting a a, a 400 grain (laughs) arrow versus a 500 grain (laughs) arrow. 90 feet. And we're going to go, let's say 300 feet per second. And then we're going to go 275 feet per second. So we're talking about 25 feet per second difference. What is the time difference in arrow impact on a 400 grain arrow and a 500 grain arrow at 30 yards, 90 feet, insignificant. Yeah, insignificant. Now the kinetic energy and impact—that's a whole different ballgame. But and listen, I—I—I I, I, I don't know. I'm not a tech talk guy. I—I I, I have a lot of subject matter experts in my life. I'm not a subject. I'm a subject matter enthusiast. Um, but uh, yeah, Broderick explained it to me one time, and I was like, "All right, I will die on that hill with you." He's also got like forty something Pope and Youngs. Twenty of them are, <laughs> twenty of them are with like a recurve or a treadmill or something. You know, pretty insane.
1: Yeah, what I get, what I did, what I've studied and read, and I'm the same way. Like I'm not, I never claim to be an expert on anything, but all the guys I've talked to have pointed me in the right direction. Of yeah, people that are much more studied and much wiser on this than I have have, right. have been like this is what you need. This is what you should be looking at. And I, and then I'll test that and I'll, I'll still base it somewhat on my own experience and I'll make it work for me. Mm -hmm. But I remember, I remember when I first started, you know, and you're just buying like the first time I shot my bow and I, I just buying like the bulk arrows from, from Bass Pro and, and you know, whatever you, you take off the veins or you, you shatter one or you lose it in the bush. And you're kind of like, you look for it for a minute. and You're like, oh well, you right. know, bummer. And yeah, now I'm like, man, I got like this very specific arrow, and then throwing on lighted knocks, and it's four fletched, and it's got a, a a weight collar and an insert and a high end broadhead. And I'm like,
0: gosh,
1: that, yeah.
0: We, <laughs> Every time we were at, uh, we at Sornet's, is uh, winter strong in January, and like we were out there shooting our bows. And, like, I had, I had uh, Robin Hooded an arrow that week. And then we were there, and I had Robin Hooded another one. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so cool. And I was like, no, it's not. That's four arrows this week that I've ruined. <laughs> and, like, I am not. I didn't Robin Hood them because I'm good. I just Robin Hooded them because I, w- I would say I was unlucky. Like, I didn't mean to do it. It just kind of was like, shit, that's twice. Um, my girlfriend uh, got a Robin Hood on her second day with a bow. I wasn't even here and she sent me a picture. She goes, What does this mean? I was like, Holy shit, you just did that. <laughs>
2: it's
0: pretty funny. Um, but uh yeah, I think I got us off on a tangent.
1: I've yeah, I, I I'll be honest, I have no idea how we got here. Oh, we were talking about the big bore rifles versus uh versus arrows, just dropping what? them and and I I think I was the one that got us off on this tangent, but um, I'm a little all over the place today. I, uh, I've not had any coffee today. Um, really? yeah. And, uh, I'm normally a, I'm a pot a day kind of guy with some, uh, energy drinks stacked on top of that. So the, can you like,
0: you like to ride the lightning uh, as I say.
1: Oh yeah. I'm, I'm the guy that mixes like energy drink supplements in with my coffee. I'm like, Oh, this will be a good idea.
0: Let me, um, I'm going to, I'm going to make a note to send you some black rifle coffee. Learn more at Marines.com.
1: Uh yeah, I uh I'm supposed to be uh getting a my uh adrenals checked for my cortisol levels. So I'm not allowed to have caffeine today. And it's driving me nuts. Why are you getting
0: your adrenal I, levels checked?
1: So uh I one of one of my clients and her and her husband, they're in the hunting industry, they're good friends of mine. Um she lives out here in Montana, Dr. Hillary, Dr. Hillary Lampers, her husband's Ryan Lampers. Oh, okay. Uh, Stealthy. I know, yeah. And
0: I knew his wife was like in holistic medicine and stuff.
1: Yeah. And she's, she's like a specialist in this stuff. And I've, it's something I've been wanting to get checked out in the hormone levels. And, um, and it's, I think it's something for guys to be aware about. Like it's kind of a weird thing. I think guys don't always like to talk about that stuff.
0: Yeah. We're going we're to um, convince other guys to go do it. If you are a male, if you're a male and you're listening to this, and you're over the age of thirty-five, you are completely and totally insane if you don't go get blood panels done. They're not expensive. Um, I get mine done every two months, um, and I had a really substantial one done about a month and a half ago. And the big panel, it's like, oh shit, my vitamin D's super low. You know, my B is low, but not like crazy low. Uh, it's good to know that stuff, man. I encourage anyone listening to go get it done. Like, it's super important. Yeah.
1: So we did the full panel and it's like everything. And we went, we went through it. I was actually, we just went through it yesterday or day before yesterday. And uh, I'm good on my vitamin B uh, because I'm, I'm, I just take a shit ton of stuff that has vitamin B in it. I'm I'm pretty solid on my vitamin B. My vitamin D is low, is really low. And then, the testosterone thing is the one thing I learned is, and this is why I think it's important to don't just go to your general practitioner and be like, Hey, I want to get this checked. And they'll, they'll take one glance at it and be like, you're fine and put you on your way. You kind of need to find a specialist in this. That's why I was excited because I do also trust Hillary and she's involved in the hunting industry. She understands the lifestyle and all of this stuff uh, because of Ryan. And, and so we talked about one thing and it's like the range for, an adult male for testosterone is enormous. Like it's like I think it's like from like two fifty to like eleven hundred or something or
0: three hundred to eleven hundred. Yeah, you don't wanna you don't wanna get that. You don't wanna be up near a thousand That's high. That's when you start your brain starts going crazy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
1: That's like what's considered uh the normal, like within range. And everyone's baseline is so different though. And you know where you would be and it changes and you need somebody that'll actually take a look at that. Consider you as an individual, not as just like a stat and work with you on, on something. So that's something we're actually talking about. And I'm like announcing my medical stuff on the podcast, but I don't care. Uh, It's helpful. It's helpful for people.
0: Right. Also, when you go in and get your testosterone test or whatever, if you're going to do it, make sure you get a good night's sleep. You're not stressed. Like you're relaxed. You're calm. You're not dehydrated.
1: That's the big one. Making sure. I mean, I'm in Montana, so everyone here is dehydrated, but, um, yeah, there's no way around it. You cannot drink enough water here. Um, but what is the opposite? Exactly. But if, yeah, that was one thing we actually talked about is like, make sure you know you're not dehydrated when you go in for this stuff cuz that will greatly affect a lot of these tests and
0: yeah accurate um, data in gets accurate data out yeah and it's one of those things that
1: it's like for me because my numbers were they were they were normal they were good for a guy my age not bad but she was looking at it and she's like well i would kind of ex- with your symptoms and i would kind of expect yours to be a little bit higher um and so what we're looking at is not doing TRT, uh, but doing um, clomiphene, which basically stimulates my body to produce testosterone on its own more just to see how I react to that, how I feel. And then we're doing the adrenal testing, which is, uh, you know, checking cortisol levels throughout the day. And a lot of people that I think this is important because I'm like a high stress person. I run like, high stress all the time. Mm-hmm. Shit stresses me out constantly. And it's just, I'm an overthinker. It's the type of person I am. And people like me who run that way, like there's other people that just shit doesn't bother them. And like, that's their life. And that's not not me at all. P- high stress people like me, a lot of the time when you run like that all the time, it'll end up flattening out your curve throughout the day. And that also is, can w- be what causes you just can't get yourself out of bed in the mornings or you can't, uh, you know, you get those crashes in the afternoons when you should be getting lifts or this or that or the other. Um, and that's uh so that's why I'm not, no, no coffee today. I will be probably back on my crack regimen tomorrow. Um, but you know, cause that the caffeine affects your, right. you know, affects how you're doing and, it's like I'm having to having to spit in a test tube every few hours today, and
0: dude, they got all kinds of those tests, man. Like they've got blood, they've got urine, they've got saliva. Oh yeah, like they have tests where they literally like you have to send them in like shit. Oh yeah, I'm I'm I'm
1: spitting in a tube and pissing on a sheet of paper and See, I don't mailing it over to them.
0: Urine, I don't care. Saliva, I don't care. Uh, blood, guts, I don't care. Shit. And like warm dog shit. Like I, not, I'm not participating.
1: <laughs> you're, you're preaching to the choir on that one. Yeah,
0: man. No, thank you. Not doing it. Um, yeah. I'll tell you what else I'm not doing. I'm never eating a pig's testicle either ever again. <laughs> you didn't see that coming, did you? Uh, I'm not sure at
1: this point. At this point with this podcast, I'm not sure I'm seeing anything coming. I'm enjoying this conversation, man.
0: So we were turkey hunting. I was down in uh, South Florida. So I love to turkey hunt. And like the one thing I would say of all the creatures that I pursue, I I would say I'm probably the best at turkey hunting. I'm not saying I'm good. I'm just saying that's probably what. That's what you
1: suck the least at.
0: Exactly. I suck the least at it. And so I was down in South Florida trying to get an Osceola because, you know, I've shot a bunch of Easterns, a bunch of marions, and a bunch of Rios. I've never killed an Osceola. So we're down there. And I was with this guy by the name of Jeremy Starks, who's a wildlife biologist from West Virginia. He was a professional bass angler for 13 years. He was the two time bass master elite champion. Owns a company called Bass Mafia. They make tackle boxes and stuff. Legit guy, like really talented, extremely smart guy. And um he we shot a pig. We shot a couple of pigs. No turkeys, but we did get a couple of pigs. And so he's like, You ever had pig testicles? I was like, no. You want to try one? I was like, Yeah, I'll, you know, I'll I'll try anything once, you know, <laughs> within reason. And Caleb. Uh, Sorrels from PSE was there with us, so it's me, Jeremy, and Caleb, and we cleaned the pig, and then we uh, took out its nuts and diced them up, and cooked one on the grill. Absolutely disgusting, <laughs> horrible, horrible texture. Flavor was awesome, like the perfect amount of spice, cooked to perfection. But just the texture, I was like, I had, I don't, and listen, I don't spit food out. I'm not like dramatic like that. You know, if I don't like something, I'll finish it and be like, oh, man, that's great. Thank you. This, I was like, "I,", I <laughs> and, and Caleb looks over and goes, yep, one and done for me. <laughs> one and done. No more. So then I started, like, thinking about, like, how bad it would suck if the only thing you had to eat was pig testicles. You know, like, you hear stories like, oh, man, when I was growing up, we were so poor. You know, it's like imagine if someone's like, oh man, all we had to eat was pig testicles.
1: I tell you, I tell you what, I grew up I grew up as a, a farmhand and and you know, all I I really didn't have much spare money to buy food. And but I'll tell you what, they gave me all the pig testicles I could eat.
0: Yeah, what <laughs> Think pig factory? You just run around getting up pig testicles. Ugh. God, it <laughs> was, oh, was awful, man. And the worst part was it looked like an like an anus. Cause I got like the, I got the end of it. My bite was, so, you know, it's like, it's like a a round, you know, round thing and it's shaped like this or whatever. And the bite I got was this piece and it was, it looked like a balloon knot, you know, like it it was, dude, I'm serious, man. Like, I was like, what the hell is this? I'll text, I'll send you a photo of it. Um, We're done. It was nasty.
1: Oh man. I did. Yeah, this is the first time I can say I've looked forward to getting a picture of testicles from a dude. Have you, um, ever,
0: have you ever had testicles?
1: Uh, the, only the two that are
0: attached to me. But you've never eaten them? No. Nope. They're still there. Maybe that's what's wrong with you. <laughs> you ate your balls off. <laughs> what is going on with this conversation? <laughs>
2: you can't plan
1: out oh, these things. Dude you
0: got to let them go, man. That's, that's how people get entertained. You but, you, gotta, um,
1: you just got to, you got to cup them nicely. Oh, Oh, yeah. the, the conversation, not the balls. Right. Sorry.
0: Yeah, but um, the, that the thing like that, that, that hunt, um, like I've been hunting deer for 30 years, white tail deer in the South for 30 years. And this is the God's honest truth, man. I learned more spending three days with a wildlife biologist than I'd learned in 30 years. Oh yeah. And then I had the pleasure of hunting, um, turkeys in texas with dr michael chamberlain who's the wild turkey doc on instagram mm-hmm. highly recommend following him wild turkey doc doc um dr michael chamberlain in his 50s phd uh, holy shit that, that dude you need to get him on your podcast you need to get him on your show it's amazing that would be awesome do you do you turkey hunt at all you, know, you guys don't tur- hunt turkeys up there
1: yeah we do we do our, our turkey season just ended um nwtf has done an incredible job of getting turkeys out here in montana um i i've done i have not done any turkey hunting this year i did uh i did some last year i got my first two turkeys last year um where in uh, northern california got uh and it was the most sketchy it was not like the like you know i went out in my camo and you know it's all covered up and i did my calling and and, uh, I did plenty of that. And I saw some, saw some Jake, saw some hens. Um, but I tell you, I, I got my first Turkey. Uh, I was, I was doing some, some morning stretching and yoga before starting my day. And I got him, got a note from uh, my family member that was like, Hey, there's turkeys in the turkeys in the driveway. So I sprint my ass up. I'm in a pair of gym shorts and a t-shirt throw on the Crocs. And, uh, spread my ass up grab my shotgun and i know right where the turkeys are heading because i've been seeing them every day um so i go around like two properties over i have permission it's all family properties so i mm-hmm. go two properties over and i like just post up like behind a tree like a cartoon character and uh just waited for him to, to come out and i i hopped around and blasted one and he had a nice old like a uh, 10 inch beard were they Rios? Um, I forget what we've got out there to be, to be dead honest. Um, I'm sure some, I, I'm sure somebody could go look at my pictures and tell me, but, uh, and then, then the next one was, uh, I was walking, walking into my office on our property. We have like, I had an office built in my warehouse and, uh, we, <laughs> I go out and my nephews, my nephews were up visiting and like, I wanted them to get to experience, uh, processing some game and eating something f- that was just killed. Uh-huh. And so I hear this gobble from the backside of the property. And I'm like, well, hell. And I'm in like a bright red t-shirt and board shorts and flip-flops at this point. It's, you know, it's mm-hmm. nice and warm out. So I grab my shotgun again and I full on Elmer Fudd this across the property. You know, it's very much like be very, very quiet while hunting tokies. Um And I'm like, hiding around and i finally see it and i like sneak around the chicken coop and same kind of thing i pop out and and uh and i'm like oh man of course this is the how i get my first first couple of turkeys i spend all of this time like you know learning how to call and get buying decoys and like you know getting all camoed out and spending time out there don't you know can't get a tom to come in to save my life And then I managed to get two real nice
0: ones. (laughs) I don't have a problem with that. I I embraced it. Oh,
1: I love it. But there's also part of me that just like, I want to learn so much of why I'm into hunting is like, I want to learn that the process and how to do all these other things and learn more about the animals. And you don't get quite as much of that from, you know, getting them more by chance than anything. But, uh, I'm I'm also not too proud to be the guy that, like, I see a big-ass bull walk out, walk across the road and up into the hills. I have no problem pulling my truck over, <laughs> walking right up after that thing, as long as it's fully legal, that is. but
0: 100%, man. Yeah. That's one of the problems, man, I have in the hunting space is you have a lot of people. As long as what you're doing is legal and um, you're not, like, casting the rest of us in a bad light or doing something antagonistic to piss off anti-hunters, which I think is just, those are the dumbest people in the world that do that. Uh, I don't have a problem with it. Like, you know, like, there's like, and there's a lot of people that are like, oh, it should be done on public land or it should be done with a bow and you can't use an outfitter or you shouldn't use, you know, a guide or whatever. And it's like, hey man, like, listen, dude, I live, in, I live on the beach in Florida. It's this flat. <laughs> we have pine trees man, and, and shitty ass water oaks that just drop leaves all day. I own a company that does marketing for about two dozen brands in the outdoor space. Uh, most of my day is spent on black rifle coffee, you know, um, and I don't have time to go scout some state that I hope I draw a tag. In. So for me, it's like, you know, all right, how about this? I'm just going to I'm going to go with an outfitter. I went with an outfitter last year in uh, New Mexico Went with an outfit of the year before in Colorado. Two years before that, I did do it yourself. My first elk was by myself in Utah with the hoochie mama cow call sitting on a water hole. No fucking clue what I was doing, dude. I mean, but I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to pretend I'm hunting a deer. And if I see an elk, elk deer, which is what I was calling him in my head, I'm going to shoot him in his big ass vitals with my bow. And dude, sure enough, man, first afternoon. Shot a big old six by five. Next year, Subway, Bitterroot, Idaho got a really nice six by six. Next year, I got a raghorn, and that was both those were public land. And then the next year, I got a raghorn at the Motherwell Ranch in Colorado, like seven thousand dollar hunt. Shot the smallest elk of my life. Um, And then this past year, I got uh, and I got a cow, and then I got this past year, I got a, a really nice bull in New Mexico. But like, I personally. If people are like, oh, man, you public land? No, I didn't hunt it on public land. I shot it on private land. Like, why does that matter to you? You know what I mean? Like, I understand, like, do you get your bow or your rifle? I get that, you know? Rifle elk is much, much easier than elk with a bow. But, like, I just, I think it sucks, man, like, people cast judgment or try to put their signature on how people do things or accomplish things. I know I have people that turkey hunt that would be like, man, I can't believe, like, they would never do what you did you know however they've been chasing turkeys in the south for 30 years you know what i mean but they wouldn't judge you they'd be like man i really would like to bring this guy down here and let him see like what the show looks like which is when they're gobbling their heads off and they're coming in strutting and spitting and drumming like that's the type of people that i like it's like oh man well hey why don't you come turkey in with me and let me show you how it's done you know versus like oh, like i'm sitting in some ivory tower superior to you you know um That drives me crazy. But yeah, it's like, I think there's a lot in the hunting space. There's a lot of, there's some people and some movements that are very mean-spirited and just shitty. I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to name organizations. But there are some out there that have created this entire, like, if it's not done on public land, it doesn't count. Or they cast judgment on how people should do things on their own private land. Or you have people in, you're in Montana. Let's just say Montana. Yeah, there's a bunch of people in Montana that like the thought of high fence hunting in Texas, like they go out of their way to cuss out people in a state they've never been to about how they do things on their own private property. You know? And I think that's shitty. I don't do that. Like I saw a meme the last time I left Africa and it's like everyone in this country, not everyone, but there's a lot of people in this country that think that they know how people should do things in other states and even worse, other countries of this, on this planet that they've never been to. They don't know how things are. And it's like, it was a bunch of African elders in loincloth sitting in a circle. And it's like, we have now finished our conclusion. We'll be submitting our recommendation for the Alabama Quality Deer Management Program for this upcoming season. And it's just like, you know what I mean? It's, just, it's like, oh, my God, that's absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Like, and, and this was like, the, this was the year after season of the Lion thing went right down, which yeah. turned out to be completely legal, you know? So opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one. And most of them stink at some point during the day.
2: In Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Yeah, it's... uh... (laughs)
1: I don't know. You know, like, I mean, I prefer to hunt publicly. land. like, I just, I enjoy that experience. Like I like going out with my bow hunting public land yeah. because I'm looking for that. I'm looking for that added difficulty and that added experience and, and whatever it happens to be. But same thing. Like we were talking about FTW ranch, you know, Tim made an offer for me to come down and harvest, a, harvest a couple animals on his ranch. And what did she? Uh, I shot, uh, uh, Iranian red sheep, you, okay. and, uh, fallow oh, deer doe.
0: Okay. Yeah. What was the second thing?
1: The fallow deer dough. Okay. Did you eat the fallow deer? Uh, I have. I oh, I've heard they're great. I've heard they're really? absolutely fantastic. Um, I've got both of them. Uh, majority of them in the freezer. I've had. I can't remember. I've had one of the steaks. I've got to do the grind. I've had, uh, I've got like a bucket of grind from both of Mm -hmm. them that I need to get sorted out. Uh, I keep forgetting I have it. And so like on the weekends, when I'm like, when I have time to go to the butcher and get some extra fat and all this stuff, and I just completely forget, but uh, yeah, yeah, no, uh, but I'll jump at that opportunity. And that is the absolute opposite of, you know, that's like sitting in a sitting in a, in a box blind, uh, a raised box blind on private property, with a feeder um, to harvest an animal, but I got no problem with that because it's legal, it's ethical, it helps manage the populations. Uh, I don't know. I love to hunt. If somebody gives me an opportunity, I mean, the one thing I probably I won't do is like if somebody's gonna pull something out of a out of a cage like release it out and then oh, tell right. me to go shoot. Like, I just have no interest in doing that. At That point I might as well go to the grocery store and yeah. just buy a beef steak. But, um, well, I, dude,
0: I've seen those deer breeding operations and like our processor in America's Georgia, where the farm is, he's also a taxidermist. He's like, man, let me show you this thing. This boy shot in Alabama last weekend. So this kid from America's drove over to a game ranch in Alabama for his graduation present and shot this, absolute complete and total genetic freak yeah like nothing in the history of this earth has ever looked like that you know and i was like well how do you feel about it?" it's like yeah man he's like i think it's kind of weird he's like "But the kids like super proud of it and i was like okay good for him i mean you know whatever i don't i personally i just think it's strange but those animals uh those the breeding operations like those things like they're super meek. They move really slow. They're used to hanging out like where they're raised because that's where they're fed. And like it's, I don't know, it's just weird, man. Like I, I like I think it's, it's really odd. I have no interest. It's like, know, hey, good for you. It's high five. You know? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so what do you what do
1: you hunt this year, this fall? Uh so I'm. I was looking at doing some, uh, some pronghorn in, uh, in Wyoming. I'm kind of, I'm figuring out the schedule right now. Um, I, I always love to go down and hunt, uh, over the counter archery, uh, deer in Arizona. That's one of my favorite hunts. Really? Uh, it's where, that's where this little guy came from. This is my very first deer, uh, first tag filled first archery, uh, archery kill everything. And, uh, I, I think that's one of the most underrated tags we've got. So I'm trying to head down to Arizona and do that. Uh, I'd like to do some pronghorn in Wyoming, um, and then you know, focus honestly mostly on just elk and deer and whatever I can get my hands on here in uh, here in Montana. Are That's they my,
0: doing something with y'all's like resident draw or non-resident draw or something like? What's I heard some stuff.
1: There's uh, there's a new bill passed. I got to look into exactly what it was. So there was the there was this whole bill that, that basically got shot down the hunters and anglers got together and said, no, this is, this is bull crap. We don't want this. Uh, And it was, it effectively granted uh, outfitters like extra. You could basically, if you were non-resident you booked with an outfitter, you got preference over like everyone else and you could get like extra preference points and outfitters got like, this ridiculous amount of tags. Like it was, it was way out there and it was super not in the spirit of right. kind of Montana hunting. And, um, and that got shot down, but the problem is another bill got passed recently and I'm not super familiar with that bill. I was actually, it's on my list to look into before the week's up uh, but another bill got passed. And what happened is that dead, that dead bill got tacked onto this bill last minute and so I think there's some weird stuff going on. Um, it has something to do with like landowner
0: tax and stuff.
1: Yeah, there, there's something with landowner tags. I uh, I have to look, and I think I think it had to do with hunting bear and mountain lion on private land um, as well. I, I again i you know people are probably cringing at my description of this currently but i need to i need to pull it up and actually i haven't taken the time this week to look into it what exactly went down mm-hmm. and read the bill um but uh yeah there's some there's some weird stuff going on and i i'm i'm not thrilled about it and a lot of people are going to get on my case and be like oh well you know you were you were happy that you know, Gianforte got got elected and Danes got elected and they're behind this all. And I'm like, yeah, well, nothing else matters if somebody's trying to take away our Second Amendment rights. And I've said this on other podcasts before. I'd rather have somebody in office that's going to protect our Second Amendment rights before hunting. And I'd rather have them protect hunting before public lands.
0: You can't be like a one-issue voter. You just can't, man. Like, first of all, governors have very elected representatives individually have very limited power. Governors, governors have very limited power. President of the United States has very limited power. Um, you know, so for anyone's like, oh, well, this is your fault because you voted for so and so, don't ever take that person seriously again as long as you live. Oh, yeah. That person just labeled themselves as a dipshit, you know, like like, okay, so what? Gene Forte got, but you got you got Teaster. He's a he's a liberal. He's, in, he's one of your senators. The other one's uh, a Republican. So, like, well, why doesn't Teaster go and say bad, get like wave a wand? Because the senator technically has more, I mean, he would, is probably a little more powerful than a governor, you know? Maybe, hell, I don't know. I hate politics, man. God, <laughs> God it's awful, man. It's become so tribal, dude. It's like, you either for this, like, if you, like, can, no one has conversations about the issues anymore. Like, everyone just raises how holy hell about everything, you know? And it's like, Damn you if you this and damn me if you don't do that and yada, yada, yada. It's just, it's exhausting. Yeah. So what are we supposed to be mad about today? I can't remember. I forgot. The next time you have someone that's really into politics or is always gaslighting, everyone or is just constantly pissed. Be like, hey, man, I don't remember. What were you mad about Tuesday? They'll be like, man, shit, I don't remember. But I'll tell you what I'm mad about today. You know, it's like, we all know those people.
1: No, nah, I can't. I don't know. I've started... I've told people before I've, I'm closing down my circle. I'm like, I, you know, I, I used to just have everything open and talk to anyone and everyone. I'm just exhausted. And so I just want, I just want to let the beard grow, go up into the mountains and just come into town once every six months for, for supplies and be that guy that the little kids point at.
0: There he is.
1: I saw him. I saw him. Right. It's, it's old
0: man airs. Yeah. Uh. He's up on the mountain panning for gold. (laughs) Living in old Munchet. Oh, it doesn't, it sounds
1: better and better every single day. I'll tell you what I went through. I went through a phase where I almost, uh, right before I moved out here uh, and ended up in this spot, I almost bought 20 acres and put a yurt on it and just lived in a yurt for a couple of years. But I still still heavily considering doing that. Just being like, all right, peace out,
0: society. Check you guys back in a few years. Yeah, yeah. Well, the main thing, I man, is just stay off the stay off the news. Like, don't listen to or read the news. Um, everything is because back in the day, like when I was growing up, you had the morning news, the evening news, and you had the nightly news, and then you went to bed. And um, you know, people read the paper in the morning, and like it was not a twenty four hour news cycle and Um, editorial rooms did not need to be profitable because there wasn't a way for them to be profitable. These news organizations made their money selling newspaper subscriptions and, you know, ads in the newspapers and then uh, same as magazines. And then what happened, you had the invention of the internet and newspapers have now gone out of business for the most part, except for some, a few and editorial rooms are the the primary source of income is so everything's click and dot com and you know, internet based. So, journalism integrity and in journalism has gone completely out the window because it, the truth isn't what matters. What matters is people clicking on links and articles. So, I'll give you a hundred dollars right now if you go on Fox News or CNN and find me a positive headline. You will <laughs> not find one positive headline.
1: Oh, I can't, I can't imagine.
0: It's horrible, dude. Everything is shit. The world's coming to an end. Fire this, fire that, gaslight. I mean, it's just, it's it's a pile of shit, man.
1: Oh, I don't know. Hey, wait, wait. I just pulled up CNN.com. The main headline Biden celebrates ceasefire deal between Israel and Hamas.
0: Yeah, but read the, click on it. And I promise you. Yeah. It's about war. So I'm talking about positive. Oh, yeah. like, like, oh, yeah, like something.
1: Firefighter saves kitten. I get you. I get you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh man, but we're we're way off here. We're way down. We are way down the rabbit hole. Um <laughs> yeah,
0: we had a good conversation.
1: Heck yeah! Heck yeah! Uh, so, um, I always like to wind this down. Say somebody, uh, somebody like me is getting into wants to get into hunting as an adult. Um, they're a bit older. They don't have any friends or family that do it, but uh, you know, maybe you run into them at a bar or something. You're just you're like, oh yeah, I hunt, and they're like, man, I've always wanted to do this, but there's so much to learn, so much to figure out. Um, I, I don't, I don't know, man. And uh, what advice or like would you give them as far as getting into hunting?
0: I would use the internet. There are a ton of resources. It's overwhelming the amount of information that's available. Um, but what I would, uh, find someone that, you know, that hunts and reach out to them and make sure you're doing it for the right reasons because time is valuable and no one likes to have their time wasted and just say, Hey man, start asking them questions. And eventually you'll find someone that wants to teach you and wants to help you and wants to recruit you into the outdoors. And maybe they'll say, Hey man, can I, what can I do to help? Can I tag along on a hunt? Can I carry a pack? Can I be a pack mule? Can I be a camp bitch? what can I do? You know, um, show them, show that person that you're truly interested in getting into hunting and, um, you know, learn to shoot a rifle, a bow, whatever you you know, pick your poison and just have a legit interest. But more importantly, I think just be honest with yourself about why you want to get into it or what you're doing or when, why you're, and how you're going about doing it. And don't do it for the likes, man. Don't do anything for the likes
1: awesome man well i appreciate you hopping on yeah, man, it was a fun I
0: conversation it. i enjoyed it
1: all right y'all that'll do it for this episode of the wild initiative make sure to check out the show notes page at the wild initiative.com get links to everything we talked about in today's episode that'll do it for this week looking forward to next time but until then i hope this episode inspired you to get involved get outdoors and plan your initiative for the wild Thank you for listening to The Wild Initiative.
2: Please take a moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher and head on over to thewildinitiative.com. To get show notes, check out the blog, gear discounts, other podcasts from The Wild Initiative family, and more.